Corpendium Spotlight. It's time for another Corpendium Spotlight. And today we're talking to Kimmy Wan and Sean Nort. Can I have you both introduce yourselves, please? My name's Kimmy, or Kimberly Wan, and I'm an assistant professor at Chapman University School of Pharmacy and a critical care emergency medicine specialist at Mission Hospital in Mission Viejo. Hey, Jesse and Kimmy. Today I'm going to be Shawnee. So I think a lot of people listening know who I am. Tommy. I like that. I'm rap, but I'm an emergency physician and toxicologist. And we're going to be doing some pharmacology today. We sure are. And I would just like to start off by highlighting that we have a whole new pharmacology section coming to Corpendium. And it's really thanks to you, Sean and Kimmy. I can't wait to access that section. Just like everything else with Corpendium, this is going to be a living document, up to date. We're going to have expert opinion, and it's going to be a drug reference you've never seen before. Can't wait for that. To go along with this updating theme, I hear that you all have a few pharmacy-related updates today to share with us. Let's go ahead and start with the topic of medications in pregnancy and the new FDA categories. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? So I'm sure you're all aware of the pregnancy categories A, B, C, D, and X. So those were the old FDA categories, and they've recently changed them in the past few years, and they have done away with these letters. So you'll start seeing these. They should be phased out by now. Their goal was to have it completely phased out in 2020 in terms of switching over the medications. So any drug approved after 2015 will have these new categories. And then all of the drugs that were approved before then, they are phasing them out and changing over to these new categories. So the whole labeling, it's called the pregnancy and lactation labeling rule. The FDA put together a task force because they were realizing that people were just using the pregnancy categories without really looking into literature behind them. So basically, Kimmy, what I'm hearing you say is that drugs that were approved before 2015 are all going to need to move to this new category system. And anything coming out after 2015 is just automatically going to be in this new category system. But let's quickly review the old system because... Even that was kind of hard to keep straight. So we had, as you said, A, B, C, D, and then X out of nowhere. All of a sudden it was X. So let's just review these. What was category A? So category A pretty much meant that the medication had studies to show that there was no fetal harm or no fetal risk. Okay, so those are good ones. And then what's B? So as you go down the alphabet, the sort of worse off it is. So B shows that there was no human evidence. Most of the data is animal studies showing that there wasn't any risk. But again, no human studies showing that there wasn't fetal harm. Okay. What's an example of one of the category B pregnancy drugs? So one of the category B drugs, oxycodone, which we all know opioids in pregnancy is not preferred. However, when this medication got approved and got the pregnancy designation, it was given a pregnancy category B because there wasn't any hard evidence showing fetal harm in animal studies. And so that's how it got its pregnancy category. Now, when we talk about the new categories, I'll mention that this is going to be designated as fetal risk cannot be ruled out. And just to go back, what is an example of a category A pregnancy medication right now? So something like levothyroxine is a pregnancy category. There's very few medications, I would say almost none, 
Some would even argue that Leave with Arkson shouldn't be pregnancy category A, which is the whole idea of why they've switched over from this lettering system to the new category system. Yeah, because we don't really do a lot of well-controlled studies in pregnant women. They're sort of a protected population. Definitely. Okay, so category C. What's category C? Category C. So if you look, the majority of the medications were given category C, and it basically means that fetal risk cannot be ruled out. And so people were seeing, oh, pregnancy category C. It's not a D, it's not an X, which means fetal harm or fetal risk. And so they were thinking, okay, it's okay to use because it's pregnancy category C. The default was category C. If there was no, so any drug that came out automatically became category C. So over 90% of prescription drugs were category C. And so clinicians just thought, yeah, C means that it's not too bad when it really means there's no data. And that's why this is an obsolete system and needed to be changed. All right. What about D? D. So D is there's positive evidence of fetal risk or harm. Okay, that deserves a D. What about X? That sounds especially bad. X, category X. Yes, it's like an X on the medication. Yeah, so it's contraindicated in pregnancy, should not use. And so studies, animals or humans have demonstrated that there's fetal risk and the risk outweighs any benefit to the patient. That's even worse than an F. So if I ever came home with a bad grade, an X would be like, Psh, you might as well just not come back the next day. Who gets an X in math? Mm-hmm, exactly. Tell us about the new pregnancy and lactation labeling rule. The new pregnancy and lactation labeling rule. Yeah, so the new pregnancy and lactation labeling rule is basically changing from this lettering system to only three categories now. So fetal risk is minimal, fetal risk cannot be ruled out, and fetal risk has been demonstrated. And how do we establish the fetal risk is minimal category? Are those well-controlled studies? So like you said, it's very hard to do well-controlled studies in the pregnant population, but there is more higher level evidence showing that the risk to the fetus is minimal. Yeah, and there's not a lot of uh, clinical data, as you point out. And that's why if you ever look at our obstetric colleagues use these very old meds like methyl dopa, right? You'll say, why do they use that for hypertension? It's because of many decades of using it and seeing that it appears to be safe because really there is the challenge of, are you going to enroll if you're pregnant in a study to do, you know, so... This is always going to be a challenge to get good data. Do we assume that if it's not super safe in pregnancy, it's not safe in lactation? Are we grouping pregnancy and lactation together? Or are we separating those up? So those are separate. And the whole idea is thinking about not to get too nerdy, but the pharmacokinetics of the medication. You know, when someone's pregnant, we think about it crossing in through the uh, to the placenta, whereas lactation, we think about it the medication crossing into the breast milk. And there really are completely different scenarios because think of non-steroidals. Non-steroidals, there's a lot of concern early in the first pr- trimester because there might be increased fetal loss. Definitely after 30 weeks, we were about early closure of the ductus arteriosus. And uh, the FDA came out with an opinion in 2020 to say it shouldn't be used after 20 weeks because it causes renal damage and decreased amniotic fluid. So pretty much non-steroidals are completely out. That being said, if someone gets mastitis early after delivery, they can use a non-steroidal even if it gets to the baby. And we could use it, of course, for treating fever. 
in a baby. So they are really two distinctive patient populations and situations, although they're often linked together. Sean, that brings me to another question regarding pregnancy, which is what about trimesters and how do we think about drugs in certain trimesters? So from a toxicology standpoint, we always worry most about the first trimester. And very often women will not know they're pregnant when, quote unquote, the damage could be done. Fortunately, it takes repeated exposures to cause this. But after the first trimester, we really don't worry too, too much about a lot of the structural things. You can get ophthalmologic, you can get uh, CNS effects. But when you look at the really bad organogenesis, that's in the first trimester. So you just always should be really, really careful. Summary. Okay, great. So thank you for these updates about the changed pregnancy categories. And just as a reminder and to sort of recap, we're no longer using the FDA A, B, C, D, X pregnancy categories of the past. And we're moving now towards a labeling system that's described as minimal fetal risk, fetal risk cannot be ruled out, and fetal risk has been demonstrated. So that will be part of the new way that we approach pregnancy medications going forward and will certainly be reflected in our Corpendium Farm chapter. Thank you both so much for this excellent information. Thank you, Jesse. Thanks so much for having us. 